Uh, welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Parneet Chima. I'm a medical oncologist at Willie Moser Health System in Brampton, Ontario, as well as medical director for cancer care. I'm joined here today for this podcast with Dr. Cheryl Ho. Uh, we attended the ASCO 2022 uh, meeting this year, and it was held from June 3rd to June 7th in Chicago. This podcast series is focusing on uh, rare subtypes of non-small cell lung cancer um, and new emerging targets for non-small cell lung cancer. So Cheryl Ho is a medical oncologist at BC Cancer Agency, a clinical associate professor at University of British Columbia, who will summarize the highlight, highlights of an interesting abstract presented at the meeting, focusing on EGFR exon 20 insertions. And it was a phase one, two study of CLN081 in patients with non-small cell lung cancer with EGFR exon 20 insertion mutations. So Cheryl, Dr. Ho, um, what do you think was the highlights of, of this abstract? And maybe tell us a little bit about um, EGFR exon 20 insertions. Thanks, Dr. Chima. Um, you know, I think EGFR exon 20 insertion mutations are really quite interesting. They're considered the uncommon mutations in, in EGFR. And I think early on, we recognized that they were not optimally treated with the existing EGFR TKIs. Uh, fortunately, for, for us and for patients, this led to further drug development. Um, and I think the challenge is that EGFR exon 20 insertions are more difficult to target without inhibiting the wild type. And so that means it's associated with more toxicity, specifically stomatitis, rash, and diarrhea, which of course is not in, inconsequential from the patient perspective. So with that in mind, it was really quite exciting to see the data presented by Dr. Helena Yu from Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, it was on CLN081, which is a novel irreversible uh, inhibitor of all each of our mutations. But in this uh, particular presentation, she focused on the exon 20 insertions. For this study, uh, for criteria for enrollment, patients had to have the EGFR exon 20 insertion. Um, they need to have prior platinum treated, but patients with CNS metastases were allowed to participate if they were stable. This was a, a rolling uh, six design of a phase one, two, and so 73 patients were actually enrolled. And when you look at the population characteristics, it was pretty typical of EGFR mutations and that uh, in, in general, the patients were younger than the average lung cancer population, and they more predominantly were women. Um, because of that inclusion criteria allowing CNS metastases, there were 38% of patients who did have um, this area of uh, metastatic disease, and 36% of patients actually had prior treatment with an EGFR TKI, but only 4% uh, for, with a TKI specifically directed against EGFR exon 20 insertions. So when they uh, did the phase one component of the study, the grade three toxicities included stomatitis, rash, and diarrhea, as you would expect. Um, and based on the dose escalation, the final recommended phase two dose was 100 milligrams twice daily. So if we look at the efficacy component across all, all cohorts, the response rate was 38%. And the waterfall plot was very nice to demonstrate for us that actually this response was regardless of whether or not they had been exposed to prior uh, EGFR TKI. Of course, with only you know, uh, three of the patients having prior uh, exon 20 directed therapy, it was harder to make any conclusions about that specifically.
Um, 57% of patients had stable disease, and so the median duration of response was 10 months, and the PFS aligns with that, as you would expect, given that only 5% of patients had progressive disease as their, their um, best response. So based on this, the authors concluded uh, it was safe and it was effective at 100 milligrams twice daily, uh, providing us with another option for exon 20 insertion patients, which is fantastic. That's great. And so thanks for highlighting that. I think what you did touch a little bit on toxicity. There's a few other um, drugs that are in development. And actually, we do have approval in Canada for uh, one therapy, Emavantamab, to target the EGFR exon 20 insertion. How did this line up in terms of potential toxicities related to, I know it's cross-trial comparison, but do we get a sense of the toxicity profile? Yeah, um, I think that was also uh, a very positive aspect of the presentation of this data, um, because at the selected dose, there was no grade three rash, diarrhea, or stomatitis. Now, we all know that grade two diarrhea is still very significant from a patient perspective. So if we look at an alternate measure in terms of tolerability of treatment, um, the dose discontinuation rate was only 5% in the study. And if you compare that to other existing drugs that uh, target this pathway, like mobocertinib, um, that discontinuation rate was 10% compared to posiotinib at 12%. And if, as you mentioned, amivantinib, um, a little bit of a different way to target rather than a small molecule TKI, more um, a bivalent antibody, um, the discontinuation rate was only 7%. But we we kind of have other toxicities associated with that in terms of fusion reactions and sort of met inhibition of related toxicities. And then I think the other outstanding question for a lot of these therapies, and especially for EGFR exon 20 insertions, where we don't have a lot of good data in terms of CNS activity, is there any new data that came out related to CNS activity? Yeah, so Dr. Helena, you did highlight um, in her slide deck some patients that actually uh, had CNS uh, disease, that, that was basically three patients. And, and it was mixed. So one patient had a pressure response, one patient had stable disease, and one patient had progression. But on the case that was highlighted with the response, you could clearly see shrinkage, um, which is a positive indicator of CNS penetration. When we look at the other agents in comparison, um, amivantinib, there of course are concerns about uh, CNS penetration simply because it's a bivalent antibody. Um, and Dr. Passiani actually presented some data on mobocertinib as a poster at ASCO this year, um, specifically looking at that CNS aspect. And what they found was in that exclaim uh, series of studies, um, there was a low response rate and PFS in the subgroup with CNS metastasis, suggesting to us that probably there is not um, a good CNS penetration there. And similarly, posiotinib with the Zenus series of studies had a response rate that was quite a bit lower than one would hope in the range of, of about 20%. So certainly not the kind of, um, with the other um, targeted therapies, not the kind of things that we've experienced with some of the ALK inhibitors um, or osimertinib. So CLN081 certainly provides some hope in that direction. Yeah, and I think there's ongoing studies potentially in patients with active brain metastases, which will be quite novel in this space. So it sounds like we have therapies here for EGFR exon 20 insertions and much more in development. So clinical trials will be very important for this patient population. And first and foremost, we got to detect the patients. So ensuring that we have testing that covers the EGFR mutations, including EGFR exon 20 insertions. So thank you very much to Dr. Ho for joining today. And I want to thank the audience for listening. Thank you.